Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrical related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host as always, and welcome to the podcast. So on today's podcast, uh, we are going to learn a little bit about calculations when it comes to schools. I get quite a few requests on this, and I will tell you, this is not typically something you would see on an exam. However, I can't say never, and you need to understand how to apply the optional method to your application. Um, By now, you should know how to do standard calculations under Part 3 of Article 220, and you should have a good foundation of how to do optional methods under Part 4 of 220. But there's some of these little nuances dealing with schools, for example, or determining existing loads or uh, municipal buildings or or multi, I should say municipal, like in schools, uh, but also like multifamily. But you should know how to do those kind of by now pieces. But I find that one of them that people don't know how to do, uh, which is uh, schools, and they tend to make it more complicated than it needs to be. So I'm going to discuss that in today's episode, uh, but before I do, we'll have a word from our sponsor, and hopefully you will check them out. So here's our sponsor for today's episode. Uh, give, them a, give them a visit. Uh, help support the show. Today's show is sponsored by electricianpride.com, your one-stop shop for electrician-specific t-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, mugs, die-cut stickers, leggings, and so much more. Featuring unique designs for electricians, journeymen, and master electricians, as well as electrical engineers and electrical inspectors. For more information on all the products that are available, visit us at www.electricianpride.com today. All right, so again, visit Electrician Pride, your your T-shirts, hoodies, all that goody-goody stuff. Even got some Tesla stuff over there, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Show your pride and help support our programs. Okay, so we're going to look at Article 220, obviously a calculation episode here on the podcast. And again, sometimes I get emails or I get posts on our YouTube channel, which I also share these podcasts on, by the way, that say, you know what, I need a video. Uh, I don't learn well by listening. And so I try to make an effort when I do podcasts to give you a mental picture of what we're talking about. And I'm going to try to do that again today because we don't have a video on this topic. And the reason is, I don't think it's necessary. If you really focus on what I'm talking about today, you'll get it. You'll, you'll be like, oh, I get it, Paul. It's, it's simple. Uh, but a lot of times people make it overly complicated because what I think they do is they think when it comes to something like a school that the electrician is going to be the one to calculate all these things out. And I have today never seen... Uh, an electrician have to calculate a large municipal school. Uh, it's always done by an engineering design firm because of the complexity of the processes of approvals and, and, and budgeting and how they get the money allocated. And so again, by the electrician gets it, you know, th- the values are already in place by the engineer. However, that does not mean that it is not something that would be low-hanging fruit on, on an exam or that you need to understand the basic concepts of how you apply this. In fact, you could have an engineer who just gives you the total v, uh, square footage of a building, and they might give you the total uh, connected load uh, of a building, uh, all of the loads on, a, on an actual submittal page, and then they're leaving it up to you to convert that using the optional method. And okay, So you need to understand how to do that. So that's what we're going to do today. 
um, to make it a little bit clearer. But on exams, I could tell you there's only one way they're going to present this if you're studying for an exam is they're going to give you the connected load and they're going to give you the square footage and you just need to know what to do in three simple steps. And we're going to cover that today in order to explain what table 220.86 is all about and how you would apply it. Okay, now, first thing I want to I want to tell you is that using this optional method in 220.86 only applies to services and feeders where these conductors that are going to a service or feeder or the service or feeder itself, uh, whether it's a feeder panel or it's service equipment, actually is seeing, when I say seeing, it means it's going to be uh, handling 100% of the load, okay? The total load. Very similar to what we see in 310.15b7 or 310.12 if you're in the 2020 code when you apply that little mini table, the 83% for conductor sizing. It's very similar to that, only in a sense that it has to, the feeder or the service panel, whatever, has to see 100% of the loads, okay? So if you visualize that concept. So we're kind of doing the same thing here. Now, this doesn't mean that I couldn't have, let's say, a switch gear, which you would use, you could use this optional method for a school for the switch gear. Uh, but in, in, let's say I had a switch gear and I'm feeding multiple panels throughout the school. I can't use this optional method for sizing things like feeders and service conductors um, for those individual panels because each one of those are not handling 100% of the load. Now, those feeders don't ever have to be larger than the, the, the conductors that are supplying the entire building, okay? So they never have to be larger than that. I don't know why they would, but you just need to know that when you're sizing those feeders that are going out to additional remote panels from, let's say, switchgear, then I have to use part three, and that is a standard calculation. So the optional only applies, and what we're talking about today, only applies to the service because obviously the service is going to be handled the entire building. But if there is, let's say, a service disconnect only, and for example, they want the switch gear further into the building, and we have the rules in, in 230.70A1 that limits that, they could put a large service disconnect outside, and then they have one feeder that feeds a larger switch gear inside of the building. Well, that feeder would see 100% of the load because it's simply going through a disconnect that's doing nothing but turning it on and off at your service disconnect, and it's supplying 100% of the load that's downstream in the, main, in the switch gear somewhere. Okay, That's okay. Perfectly fine to use this optional for sizing that feeder. Um, but if you went to a service equipment in a school, but then you went out to the separate little distribution panels everywhere, then you can't use the optional method to size the conductors, or determine the loads for those remote distribution panels, which ultimately is what you'd size those feeders on, you can't do that here, okay? You've got to use part three. You can't use this optional method under part four in 220.86, okay? So just know when you can use this and when you can't. So the service, obviously, you can use this, okay? If you have a service disconnect and you have the switch gears further in, and the feeder between the service disconnect to that service equipment that's further in the school, then it would be okay to use this optional method for, again, determining the loads for sizing things like the feeder and whatnot. That's okay. But, again, if you come to the switchgear and that's the switchgear, let's say a switchgear room, 
and now it has multiple breakers in it, and it feeds other panels throughout the building, then I can only use this optional method for the service. I can't use it for those individual feeders sizing, okay? Then you got to go back to part three and size how you would for the standard method for feeder sizing and whatnot, okay? So I just want to make that clear. This is very much a feeder and service load optional calculation, okay? Keep that in mind. Okay, so with that said, um, when what are the factors that allow me to use this table in lieu of part three for the feeder and service load calculations, okay? What gives me the allowance to do this? Well, 220.86 says right in the beginning of it, it says the calculations of a feeder or service load for a school, okay, shall be permitted in accordance with table 220.86 in lieu of part three of this article with some caveats. And that is the school has to be equipped with electric space heating, air conditioning, or both, okay? So, you're always going to have the air conditioning. I don't know why you would never have it. So the electric space heating, you know, maybe, maybe not, whatever. But the air conditioning, yes, you're going to have that. Okay. So in either combination or both or individually, if you have it, then you can use this, uh, this optional method. If they don't have this, by the way, then you're just going to go back and use part three as you normally would and follow the steps under part three. Okay. Now, It also reminds us that the connected load to which the demand factors that we're going to talk about in table 220.86 are going to apply shall include all of these things, the interior and exterior lighting loads, all of the power loads that be for whatever equipment you have in there, whatever the nameplate is on on whatever's in that building, uh, motors, whatever, total power, um, water heating, if it's in that building, okay, of course, if it's gas, that apply, but if it's electric, going to apply. Uh, cooking and other loads, whatever the loads may be, the engineer is going to take them into account. And the larger of the air conditioning loads versus the space heating load, and you take the whatever the larger of the two is. And what happens is, I think electricians kind of sometimes get freaked out with 220.86 for schools because they think they're going to be asked to do an entire school calculation. Be honest with you, this is pretty much going to be done by the engineering firm. Mostly the schools uh, are a big deal. So municipals are involved and engineers are involved and they've got to design it out. Now, if you're an engineer, this is how you do it. But if you're the electrician, they're going to have to provide you with some information. Okay. Uh, And we'll talk about that here in a second. But lastly, I want to remind you something. If you have a school that has portable classrooms outside, They are not going to be allowed to be in this optional calculation, okay? You would have to calculate them totally separate. Why? Because they have air conditioning loads that are going to make Article 440 come into play, and they're going to have lighting loads that are considered continuous, and the demand factors that are in Table 220.86 are not going to apply to those portable classrooms because that additional value when you apply this optional method could result in an inadequately sized service. So you want to treat those separately. So you treat portable classroom buildings, whether they're manufactured buildings or whatever, you treat them separately. We're just talking about the school itself, not portable classrooms, okay, when you're applying these demand factors, okay? So we just wanted to to make that clear. Uh, Another thing to remember is that anytime you can't use this optional method, 
You use the standard method, part three, and just follow the rules that we've talked about many, many times in how to apply standard calculation values. Okay, So the difference in this is that you get quite a hefty demand for when you're using an optional method. We're familiar with that when we did optional methods for single-family dwellings. You know, first first 10,000 at 100% and the remaining at 40. Um, and then you've got your, your AC, heat, whatever, and you determine which one you're dealing with. You add the two together, and boom, you size your service. Um, so the demand factors for schools are quite hefty. And it's very much similar to the demand factors that you get for dwellings, for example, under 220.42. Now, the only difference is the demand factors that you apply to dwellings, for example, I use that as an example, whereas the first uh, the first 3,000 VA is at 100%. Uh, the next 117,000, uh, so that is from 3,000 up to, to um 120,000, that would be 117 total. Um, that is done at 35%, and anything over 120 is, is done as 25%. Well, this is very similar, except for that only applies for dwellings. It's the general lighting and general use receptacle, you know, small appliances, laundry, all that applies, the demand factor applies to that. Well, in 220.86 for schools, this demand factor is applying to the entire building. That's huge. So, again, there's a distinct difference, but they're very similar. So when I explain this to people, I just don't want them to think it's such a dramatic, radical concept because it's not. It's based on foundations that we already know, that we're already familiar with. It's just the rules are a little different in how you apply them and how you use the table. So we're going to explain to you how to use this table and make it really simple and less complicated than it needs to be. Okay? So the bigger the square foot, in a school, the bigger reduction you're going to get uh, overall, cumulatively a, duck, a reduction, um, but it's going to seem inversely proportioned because you get the first three VA at 100%, the next 17 VA at 75%, and the remaining at 25%. So what does that mean? Because we're used to seeing different values here in total VA, and this is VA per square foot. So it's a little different than what we would do with demand factors when it comes to dwellings. So we're going to look at it. So let's do some assumptions here so we can kind of kind of do the math together. All right, so let's say we have a 200,000 square foot school. Now, the engineer is going to provide this. They know the square footage. They have to do that for the density lighting and everything. So this is going to be on the engineering drawing. Now, if you're taking an exam, they're going to give you this value, Okay. They have to present you with the total connected load and the square footage. Otherwise, you can't perform this task. So trust me, if they give you an exam question that deals with schools, they're going to have to give you these values. Otherwise, it's just not, it's not fair because you don't have enough value. Okay? All right, so it's a 200,000 square foot school, and the engineer has taken into account all of the loads, uh, the actual lighting loads in their VAs, all motors, all appliances, everything, they came up with a total connected load. And let's say in this case, the total connected load is 2 million VA or 2.0 MVA. So we'll say it's 2 million VA. They did the calculation. No problem. All right, so now we've got the two values that we need to work with. 
We have 200,000 square foot school. That's a huge school, by the way. And then we have 2 million VA to work with. So the first step that we do in order before we can even get to using this table, we have to break this down into VA per square foot because that's what this table deals with, VA per square foot. So the first thing we get your trusty calculator out is you want to take your total VA, which in our case was 2 million, and you're going to divide that by uh, 200,000. Okay, so let's go on and do that and, and work the math. And so it would be, let's do it. It'd be 2 million, got your trusty calculator, divided by 200,000 equals 10. So it's 10 VA per square foot. Okay, so that's our VA per square foot. Now, once we know this, that was step, step one. Now we can go to the next step, and that is to apply the table. So let's look at the table. Now this table is, it says, 3 VA per square foot. Okay, the first 3 VA is 100%. So we just write 3 VA down on the piece of paper. Next it says, 3 through 20 at 75%. Well, in our case, we took that, um, since the overall VA was 10, we take 3 away from that, and we have 7. So it would be 7 VA times uh, 0.75. So it's 7 times 0.75 equals 5.25. Now, Let's just say the value was larger. Let's say it was 25 VA because, again, maybe the, the connected load was higher. Maybe it was more than 2 million. Maybe it's 2,500,000. And let's say the square footage was only 100 square feet, 100,000 square feet. Then it would be 2,500,000 divided by 100,000. That's 25 VA per square foot. You do the same thing. The first 3 VA of that 25 is at 100%, so that's 3 VA. Then you take the next 17 VA, at 75. So you would take 17 times 0.75. That would be 12.75. So then you're at that 20 VA. And we had 25. So the remainder is only 5 VA. Okay? Because remember, we covered 3. We covered 17. So what's left? 5. So you do 5 VA times 0.25. And that's 1.25 VA. You add them together. And that's 17 VA per square foot. So that's what the VA per square foot would be after it's calculated and demand factors are applied for a 2,500,000 VA load with a 100,000 square foot school. Now, in our example, and I just wanted to show you that because I wanted to give you an example that shows you how to apply the 100%, the 75, and the 25. But in our school, it was only 10 VA. So the first three VA is at 100%. And of course, we applied the next 17 VA, which in our case was only 7 VA, at 75%. So that was 5.25 plus 3, that is 5, 6, 7, that is 8, okay? 8.25 VA. Now, you're saying, okay, what do I do next? What's my next step? So once you have that, the last step is to take the VA per square foot and multiply it by your square footage of the building. In our case, it was 200,000. So it's 8.25 times 200,000. And that is 1,650,000 VA, okay, or 1.65 MVA, okay, 
that kind of area. So once you have the VA, then you can divide it by whatever your voltage is, whether it's a 480 volt. If it's three phase and you're going to use 831, obviously you know to take the 380 times 1.732 because it's three phase. Or if it was 208, you would do 208 times 1.732, that's 360. So you would take the VA divided by 360. Uh, if it happened to be a 122 40 volt application, probably not going to happen in a large school like that, 200,000 square foot. But even if it was, then you would take the total VA divided by 240, and that would give you your, your, your actual amp value. And then you just go searching for your conductors and your equipment that way. Okay, so the key thing here is to see that you have to take, I'll give you a summary here. You have to know what your total connected load is, and that is all the appliances, all of the loads, all the actual lighting load. And again, they're going to know that because they know the luminaires that are going to be in this building. So they're going to calculate all that out. You need to know all those values, and you need to know the square footage of the building. Once you know those two things, you can start rolling because you simply take the total connected VA, that's the volt amperes, and you divide that into the square footage. That's going to give you your VA per square foot. Once you have that, you move on to step two. And since you have that VA per square foot number, now it's just the first three VA at 100%, which is obviously three VA. The next value, three through 20, is going to be treated at 75%. And then the value that's over 20 is going to be treated at 25%. So again, it's a step process to each value. And that's going to ultimately tell you what your overall demand factor is. And then once you have that demand factor, now you can actually calculate the demand load for the school by taking that VA that has been been hit with those demand factors and multiply it by the square footage of the school, which is going to result in a overall VA value that you're going to uh, divide by whatever the voltage source is of that building. And then you're going to size your gear. You're going to size your conductors accordingly and do everything after that. Okay, so pretty simple process. Um, just remember the steps. You got to know the connected load. You got to know the square footage of the building. On an exam, they got to give you this information, so don't freak out. In fact, if you get school calculations, get happy because they're not going to ask you to do a part three one because it's just too many steps for an exam. It's not practical to do that. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's not real practical for them to do that. Um, so, and then most people are going to simply do the easy route, and that is to use an optional method, and you're going to get supplied with the connected load, you're going to get supplied with the building square footage, and you just need to know how to convert that value into a VA per square foot, and then once you have that VA per square foot, then you can jump into table 220.86, and you can work that individual VA per square foot down in order to find out what your ultimate demand value VA per square foot is, then you multiply it by the square footage of the building, and that's going to tell you what your VA is of the building, and then you can continue on with your conductor sizing, or you can continue on with your switchgear sizing or whatever after you know actually what your VA load is. Okay, So that's a simple process, and and hopefully you, you get it. If you don't get it, hey, Feel free to visit our website at masterthenec.com. Go to the Contact Me button, click it, send us a question. You can email us at info at masterthenec.com if you want, if it's still complicated to you. More than happy to explain it. But I think maybe I painted you a visual picture that you get it. So hopefully 
if you get this question on an exam or you're dealing in real life, you're going to look at it and say, no sweat. I'm going to solve it and not be a problem. Until next time, folks, stay safe. God bless.